man, wonderful job. I forgot my foot was sore, but I started getting into the song and hitting my foot, and I remembered that that was a good thing because it's a blessing. Our Lord alive, <laughs> crucified, he's arisen. Amen. Uh, we're in Luke 24 this morning. I want to read the first 12 verses. And the title of this message sounds a little strange, but it's Empty Promises That Are Full and Fulfilling. And so turn me to Luke 24. And 1 through 12, and I'm going to ask when you find that text to stand in our God's honor as I read from the Scripture. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Let's pray. Lord, we are gathered here for a simple reason. Hope, Lord. We have hope. Father, life seems so empty, Lord. Sometimes we become just so broken and and cynical and, Father, just depressed. But, Lord, there's good news to celebrate. And we're here to celebrate the hope that the resurrection gives. And I just pray, Father, you'd speak to our hearts this morning. We've already been blessed. So, Lord, keep the blessing coming, Lord, as we continue. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to move. And Father, I just ask for your anointing. In your name we pray. Amen. All around us, it's easy to spot empty promises. You know, I think of some of the advertising and commercials I've seen. You know, out on the beach, you got all these people and they're having a big time, having a huge party guzzling lots of beer but yet I don't see any beer guts and you know you don't hear about people who are broken over poor decisions that happen from guzzling too much beer Uh, you see some of these axe commercials that promise attraction to that other person you know wow those girls are going to fall over you when you spray that axe all over you guys and it's so funny because Cindy can't stand the smell of it. But uh, anyway, 
empty promises. And then those who come in those encounters that promise so much, and some end up with broken lives, not what they expected, not what they had hoped for. And then, you know, there are those products. Man, if you just buy this, you're going to be happy. You're going to be fulfilled when you buy this. This will just turn your crank, is what you say where I grew up. You know, you'll be so fulfilled. And then you buy it. Man, it's great for two or three days. Next thing you know, you set it in a corner. And, and then after two weeks, uh, where did I put that thing? That was going to change my life if I just buy it. <laughs> Empty promises. I thought it was interesting here. As you go through the Scripture and you have the events of the resurrection, and then you come to verse 11. As the women came and they shared their experience, they shared the news, the good news of hope. And and notice the response, verse 11, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. That just seems too good to be true. That couldn't happen. That's impossible. God has a way of measuring in for us what is impossible. It talks about in the scriptures, it says, For with man it is impossible, but not for God. For with God all things are possible. Uh, I read about an affluent neighborhood where the practice was that uh, when the children graduated from high school, their parents bought them a new car. There was one guy, he was ready for his car. He was a senior. uh, School year was closing, getting ready for graduation. He and his dad went and they visited you know, all the places where there were new cars. And he was so excited. They had picked out a car that he just saw himself behind that wheel, you know. And, you know, it came time. He was all excited. Graduation came. Uh, afterward, his dad handed him a, a Bible. And the boy was so angry. He thought, this is not a time for church and religion and all of that stuff. So he just threw the Bible down and in anger he ran out of the house and he never came back. He was so mad, so angry. Years later his his dad died and when he went to the funeral. After the funeral he started looking through through stuff. And he saw that Bible in part of the house. And he thought, huh. And he picked the Bible up and we opened it up and the back of the Bible was a cashier's check that was written to a dealership for a vehicle they had picked out so many years ago. And it had been sitting in that Bible. The boy never opened the Bible. The boy never discovered what was inside. And uh, he left angry. I'm afraid there are a lot of people out there, as they look at church, as they, as, as they look at religion, and they say, it's all empty. They look at this, they just say, this is, you know, it's just a book. So they don't open it up. They don't look inside. But inside, guys, is a treasure worth far more than a set amount written on a cashier's check. It's a treasure of hope. It's a, it's a treasure of God. It's the good news that what we could not pay for, He paid for in full. And that's what I want to look at this morning. It's kind of interesting because, like I said, I want to look at empty Promises of what's empty, but yet it's full and it's fulfilling. Three empty promises that are full and fulfilling. And the first one is an empty cross. You know, those uh, ladies, the group, they got up that morning and they headed to the tomb. They were broken hearted. They were, they were crushed. 
Because they had watched the suffering of Jesus. They had watched him be beaten. They had watched him be rejected. They had watched him carry his cross. They had watched him crucified. They had watched him say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And then saying, into my hands I I commit my spirit. It's finished. They watched all of that. (laughs) The body being taken down from the tomb. It was a horrible time. As they headed up the mountain, imagine this. As they headed up, it's over a half hour walk. As they head to the tomb and they come up on a hill. And when they turn and they look in the distance as the sun is coming up, they still spy three crosses as the haunting memory comes back. But fix your imagination, fix your eyes upon that cross in the middle. And if you could zero in, if it wasn't so far away, if you could really see that cross at the top beam, you would see blood on that, on the top beam, the vertical highest section where his head lay against the back of that beam, where there was a crown of thorns that was pressed down upon his head as the blood trickled out. And then you move down in that main beam in the center as its blood soaked because of his back as he was whipped with that that horrible whip that had glass and, and broken bone in it that, that just tore his back to shreds as it was up against the cross. And then you come out uh, vertically on the ends of that bar, that beam, and it's blood soaked as you're reminded of the nails that were driven in his wrists to hold him to the cross. And then as you move down that cross to the bottom where his feet were nailed to the cross, through those bones in his ankles. And, and, and you're reminded, as, as they looked, they're reminded of what had happened, how horrible it was, and now it was an empty cross. And yet for us, it's a picture of forgiveness. See, what do the Scriptures say? The Scriptures talk about we have a problem called sin that separates us. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It says, for the wages of sin is death. That's, that's what we deserve. That's what the Bible says. We are all mess-ups. We're all screw-ups. We've all missed the mark. We need someone to help us. We need someone to pay a price for us that we can't pay. And, and, and that's Jesus. You see that empty cross, as you look at it, it's a full and fulfilling promise in that what it shows us is that there was a perfect sacrifice made. And that's Jesus Christ. You see, the cross was empty, but the work on the cross is full. And it's fulfilling as it brings us hope. An empty cross. I love it. Romans 5, 8 says, For God demonstrates His own love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. He didn't wait till you got it together. He didn't wait till you started making good decisions. He loved you, died for you, met you right where you were. He saw your condition. That's our God. He gives that hope. Secondly, uh, go back to our ladies, to our, our small band as they move up walking toward the tomb. They didn't expect to find, of course, what they saw. In their minds, they thought, well, how are we going to get in there? There's guards around the tomb. There's this big boulder that's sealing the tomb. How are we going to get in there? But then when they arrived, what they saw, it's just amazing. The stone had been moved. It had been rolled away. 
they were able to go actually into the tomb. They, they were actually to walk there. And, and what they saw, they were angels in dazzling glory. And they, they shouted, hey, he's not here. He's alive. He is risen. And, and so the empty tomb is a picture of eternal life. Hey, it's a picture of new life that is promised, that is full, and is fulfilling. An empty tomb it gives us great blessing. That's our God. That's what He's promised. That's what He's given. Calvary. He's not in the grave. Uh, I love the story of the eight-year-old Philip. Philip had a lot of health issues. Uh, his Sunday school teacher liked to do creative things in Sunday school. And so he decided Easter season coming soon. He said, guys, get some of those big plastic Easter eggs. And I want you to put something inside the egg that represents life. And so, you know, the kids started working on their project. And they came to Sunday school and started opening the eggs. One kid opens it up and there's a butterfly in there, you know, resembling life. Another kid opens it up and there's a flower in there. New life. There, there's another kid, uh, he opens it up, and you know, there's always got to be somebody funny. You know, put a rock in there. Not sure where life goes with that, but you know, there, there's a rock. Uh, another kid opens it up, and there's some grass clippings in there, green grass clippings that represent life. Then they come to Philip's egg. Open up Philip's egg. It's empty. The other kid's like, this is dumb. Somebody didn't do their assignment. Why didn't you put anything in the egg? Philip starts tugging on the teacher's sleeve. The teacher says, yes, Philip? He says, no, I got it right. The tomb was empty. That represents life. And that is what is right. He did get it right. <laughs> he got the truth. That empty tomb represents eternal life, life that we cannot earn on our own, but Jesus earned it represents hope. represents that new start, that new chance that we also desperately need. Um, I love the story I heard years ago Frank Peretti tell. Boy, that guy's a character. Yes, he's still around. But he, he said that there was this family and they were going down the road. And you know how it is when you got kids in the car. And everybody's going, you know, a lot of noise, a lot of excitement, a lot of movement. And they're going down the road and uh, they hear this. There's a bee in the car. So you can imagine what happened. Chaos. Betty, Betty, help me. The bee's going to stink me. you got to stop. you got to stop. you gotta, you got to save me. All this chaos is going on. Finally, Dad stops the car. <coughs> grabs it. Help me, Daddy, Daddy. Dad opens up his hand. Didn't even kill the bee. He flies away. Daddy's going to get me. He goes, look close, kids. When he looked in, the stinger was in his hand. He said, the bee's not going to hurt me now because I took the stinger. You're not going to get stung. See, Jesus took the sting of sin. The victory of sin has been conquered. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Because we're victorious in Christ and that empty tomb represents the, the that victory. Guys, that is ours. Beautiful hope as they 
as they saw the empty tomb. He's not here. He's risen. And that message is so so much hope. I love it in verse 8 where he says they remembered his words. Those words came alive to him. What hope. And and one last one uh, that sticks out here is empty burial clothes. Notice in verse 12, Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Peter and John, they ran into the tomb. And they were looking for the worst. And what they found were simply burial clothes. I love in John's account, he says that the, the uh, burial clothing for the head was actually folded up. And some Christian comedian said, you know, one of the greatest miracles of all that a single man folded his clothes. But the fact that the clothes were folded, they were, Jesus wasn't in them. And, it, and it, you know, it reminds me of that last part. The empty burial clothes are a sign that Jesus is alive and he wants a relationship, man. He loves you. He wants to be a part of your life. He he wants to be with you. He he wants to he wants you to experience what life's really about. He he wants to be connected to you all of your life, not just the time we spend together in church. He wants to be with you all the time. That's our that's our God. It's about relationship. You know, I love it in First Corinthians fifteen as we looked at this morning in sunrise service. You know, he appeared to. Of course, here it, it talks about how he appeared to Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. And it says, and the others. And later the apostles. And then First Corinthians 15, it says, and then the 500 believers that saw him, that witnessed him, that he was alive. And he was there. Remember, he, he ate with them. He, he, he talked with them. He, he, he comforted them. He, he was there for them. And he's still that way. He's a God of relationship. So as I look at, through these three empty promises that are full and fulfilling, think about the power of each one. An empty cross means that there is forgiveness for you. Forgiveness for me. Forgiveness that can be attained. It was, it was won there on Calvary by a perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ. A second, not only an empty cross, but an empty tomb that shows us eternal life. To live forever with God who loves us. For life to be as it's supposed to be. Eternal life represented by an empty tomb that's available. And then the last one, empty burial clothes that talk about relationship. God wants you to know Him now, not simply after you die. He wants to have a loving, living relationship with each one of us. That's our God. He's a God of hope. He's a God of of love. He's a God of concern. He's a God that, you know, I keep saying over and over Max Lucado's phrase, He would rather die for you than live without you. That's our God. That's our God. Uh, I close with this story, and then we're going to have time to respond to Him. John Maxwell. In one of his books, talks about a blazer he had bought at Nordstrom's. He said he had that thing for about a year and a half. And the longer he had it, the less he liked it. Matter of fact, after a year and a half, he thought, this is the ugliest blazer I've ever owned. I hate the color of it. And not only that, it attracts lint. Can't keep lint off of it. The more he thought about it, he thought, Nordstrom's got this return policy that says you can always return it if you're not pleased with it. So he thought about it and he said, I'm going to put that to the test. 
So he got to worrying about it. He said, I felt like a con man trying to rip them off. And he said, but they do promise that you can take it back at any point if you're not pleased with it. So he, he rehearsed his lines and walked into Nordstrom's, went over the men's section. And he just said, I'm about to test out your famous return policy that if I'm not completely pleased with an item that I can bring it back. I've had this for about a year and a half. It's the ugliest color I've ever seen. And, and by, besides, it attracts lint. He says, and I want to find out if uh, what you say is true. And I can return it. said, the salesman got a big smile on his face. And he said, let's go find you a blazer. Man, what in the world took you so long to bring it back? He said they went back. He picked out a different blazer. That was actually $75 more expensive than the one he had bought and walked out with a brand new blazer. It was true. Seemed too good to be true, but it was true. God's promises may seem too good to be true, but they're true. And if you haven't turned your life to Christ, if you haven't found the love and acceptance that comes through the living Lord Jesus Christ, What's taking you so long? How about this morning? How about just saying, Lord, are you real? If you're real, Lord, come live in my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Change me and make me new. And if God's touching your heart to do that, then afterward, come and tell us at the front what God's up to. We have an altar that's open. Maybe you are facing crisis that makes you feel as if there's no hope. Today's all about hope. He's alive. We just want you, we want all of us just to respond to the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, uh, good to be together in your house, Lord. Uh, We're sinners, but you're the Savior. We love you, Lord. But what matters most is you love us, warts and all. And you died on the cross, even with our warts, Lord. You did it because you love us. and You provide hope. And I pray this morning, Lord, you know where we are. There's some here, Father, who they need forgiveness, Lord. They need to be reminded of an empty cross, Lord. Forgiveness is available, Father. May that one bow to you and say, Jesus, forgive me, enter my heart, give me new life. There are others here who need to be reminded of the empty tomb and that eternal life is there. And I pray, Father, that they'll see that they can live forever with you, Lord. It's all connected. Others, Father, who have seen the empty cross and the empty tomb, but for whatever reason, for now, they're not in a good relationship with you. Father, that's your desire. You want us to walk with you each and every day. And I pray, Father, as this altar is open, you'll help us to do business with you to restore what may be a relationship that's hindered. And Holy Spirit, work in us, Lord. <laughs> Father, here we are. Time to respond as we prepare to stand and sing. If need be, may we come to you. In your name we pray.